0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today in the studio, I have Dr. Nina Morano. CDC's Immigrant, Refugee, and Migrant Health Branch Chief, and calling in from Puerto Rico, Dr. Steve Waterman, CDC's Dengue Branch Chief. We'll be talking about the life and public health contributions of our late esteemed colleague, Dr. Katrin Suzanne Cole. Dr. Cole died suddenly and tragically last year at the age of 54. We all mourn her terrible loss. Welcome, Dr. Morano and Dr. Waterman.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Sarah.
2: Thank you. Uh, I I think I can maybe start by saying a couple words about Katrin's background. She was born in Duisburg, Germany, uh, where her father was a prominent architect, and she uh, attended medical school both in uh, Austria and finished up at uh, the Free University in Berlin in 1991 and also received a Ph.D., Um, and later earned a, a master's degree of public health at Tulane University. Um, Katrin joined CDC in 1997 as a, an Epidemic Intelligence Service officer. She um, was a foreign citizen officer, uh, there's always a few in, in each class, and she matched with the Louisiana Department of Health, working on infectious disease and sexually transmitted disease epidemiology with her supervisor, Dr. Tom Farley, who uh, is a well-known figure in public health, later became the New York City Commissioner of Health. And uh, I'd like to share a quote that Tom uh, made about Kotrin was that the Louisiana Health Department staff just fell in love with this wonderful German woman who made disease investigation a happy, exhilarating experience. I, I think that's That's a good way to start talking about Kotrin. Um, Nina, can you tell us about some of her work afterwards um, with the Brighton Collaboration?
1: Yeah. She uh, began working with the Immunization Safety Branch in 2000, and she was the uh, person who started and coordinated the Brighton Collaboration which was an effort of about 800 participants uh, in 80 countries worldwide to enhance vaccine safety. So this global initiative was designed to improve the rigor of immunization safety science at a time of great public controversy and vaccine hesitancy. And with her uh, communication and diplomacy, she worked to persuade policymakers uh, across the global immunization community Um, Her efforts resulted in the publication of the first set of the Brighton case definitions in the journal Vaccine. Um, I wanted you to tell us about her friendship uh, and collaboration with Dr. Bonhoeffer.
2: Yeah, I'd like to add to that Brighton collaboration story. John Bonhoeffer was um, her partner on the project from the European Union, and uh, Katrin told me stories about how the two of them uh, we're a great uh, team working together uh, late into the night as they were so enthusiastic about this project. And that was sort of typical of Katrin's uh, zest for life and, and work. And uh, one nice note is that uh, Jan uh, later became the godfather to Katrin's daughter, Clara. Um, if I could just give one other story before we talk about her life with um, our common CDC Division of Global Migration and Quarantine. As I mentioned, Katrin um, <clears throat> was a medical student in Berlin, and uh, she was deep into her medical books uh, one evening when her parents called and said, tell us what's happening. The Berlin Wall is coming down. And Katrin really didn't know this was happening, but she jumped on her bicycle and pedaled off to the Berlin Wall and was part of this important moment in uh, in world history. Um, so, uh, Nina, can you tell us about Katrin's leadership in the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine?
1: Yes. Um, as our division's d- deputy director, she helped Marty Setron, who's our division director, oversee uh, quarantine and border health responses for a, a lot of the major uh, emerging infectious disease outbreaks since 2009. She worked on Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. She worked on H1N1 influenza. She worked on the um, West Africa Ebola Epidemic in 2014 and then in 2016 on the Zika epidemic. Um, And in her role, she also uh, strengthened uh, the unit that uh, you became the head of, Steve, the U.S. Mexico unit uh, that focused on binational and border health. So, because of her international experience, she really was our champion and leader for the uh, World Health Organization's. 2005 International Health Regulations, um, where she really played a major role in educating federal and state agencies and liaising with the WHO member states uh, around transparency and collaboration in international diseases and outbreak reporting. Since all of these diseases that I've just mentioned, uh, those pathogens don't respect borders, and uh, we're all in a very small planet dealing with these diseases. So Katrin was a phenomenal problem solver. Um, she was willing to tackle the most formidable problems um, that we faced every day. I can remember her willingness to dig in on multi-state investigations uh, of highly mobile travelers with multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, and uh, her leadership in coordinating with WHO and the European CDC on the Zika risk country classifications. And I think what made her so effective uh, in doing her work was she had a very, very disarming and ebullient personality, and she had the skill to bring together people with very diverse viewpoints um, and was able to get them to reach technical and pu- public health policy consent is in a way that I don't think I've ever seen anybody as effective as, as Katrin in doing this. And on a personal note, I knew that she could solve just about any problem I could present to her. So I would go to her office, and I would get the benefit of her time and wisdom. And if I was really lucky, I could also count on a beautiful cup of espresso from the little machine in her office, along with um, many helpings of pistachio nets that she kept in her office for visitors, uh, which her husband, Gene, told me was really his idea to put those pistachio nuts there.
2: I had lots of cups of espresso <laughs> in her office as well. It was great.
1: <laughs> um, so tell us how you met Katrin, Steve, and tell us about her work in the U.S.-Mexico unit.
2: Right. Well, Katrin um, became the deputy director at, at DGMQ 10-plus uh, years ago, and and. um uh, She uh, was my sort of day-to-day supervisor, along with Marty Setrin and uh, she uh, uh, would uh, travel to San Diego to work with our unit. And... um, just like the Louisiana Health Department, um, people just really immediately took to her. We had, a, we had a small unit of 10 or 12 people, and, and uh, she would uh, socialize with, with us after work. She was, uh, would occasionally go out for drinks. She was more of a white wine drinker, but because San Diego has a, become a craft brew hub, we would take her to the nearby Stone Brewery, and we got her hooked on uh, a German Weiss-style beer called White Rascal. But uh, uh, in the work uh, sense with our unit, um, she played a really key role in developing the unit's uh, first strategic plan. We were a new unit, and uh, we had an important mission working with uh, Mexico and a lot of different state uh, partners on both sides of the border. And, um again, uh, she was just a natural leader in the best sense. Uh, she would listen carefully to the issues that we were trying to strategize on, and she could uh, go right to the heart of an issue very quickly. She uh, had this capacity to make people feel comfortable talking about what could be difficult topics. We might get stuck or go off on a tangent, and she would magically get us back on track. Um she wasn't just sort of refereeing the discussion. She would make suggestions that made sense to everybody, and we seemed to be able to move forward. Um, She was a great part of the unit and later supervised the unit after I I left.
1: So, how did you and Katrin hit it off as friends?
2: Yes. Well, again, uh, um, she was uh, my supervisor, and I would come to Atlanta as the lead for the unit um, um, fairly often. And, And Katrin... Uh, invited uh, guests at at CDC uh, from out of town, very often to her home, um, to uh, have dinner with uh, her lovely uh, family, and it's amazing she could uh, always seem to uh, come home from work and put together a lovely dinner with a nicely set table. Things are sometimes a little bit chaotic with the kids, but it was great fun. And uh, she really wanted to get to know people, and it was more than just sort of asking, how's the family? She she uh, really had a genuine interest in people. And uh, uh, so I was in Atlanta one time, when we really first bonded, I think. Uh, uh, we had gone to a retreat in Lawrenceville, which is outside of Atlanta, and we're driving back together, as it turned out, and we started talking about our children. And we both uh, found that we had these uh, uh, handsome, smart sons, but they uh, sometimes made life difficult for us, and we struggled a little bit in dealing with their uh, rebelliousness and not uh, willing to comply with parental uh, orders about use of computers and so forth. And uh, so we just had a wonderful time chatting on the way back and, and uh Catherine actually started talking about how during her childhood and adolescence and young adulthood she would sometimes be quite uh, mean to her to her mother and could uh, say say mean things and she just recalled how uh, her mother uh, would take it in stride, and, and Katrin always knew how much her mother loved and supported her, and we both took that as a as a lesson in uh, parenting that was important for the two of us. So that was sort of how we got to be great friends.
1: So, Steve, tell us about Katrin's relationship with her mom and her brother.
2: Yeah, I I got to actually meet her mother and brother. I, they live in, in Europe, um, but uh, I was um, in... Um, A uh, international medical meeting in uh, in Austria, and it just happened to be around the time of Katrin's uh, mother's 80th birthday, for for which Katrin was uh, coming to uh, celebrate at her mother's summer home in the island of Mallorca. She said she asked me, she invited me uh, very graciously to to stop by and be part of that celebration, and and. Uh so I I accepted and uh flew to Mallorca on the way back and uh met her in the airport and I rented a car and we drove to this uh lovely house in Mallorca and uh one little story I, I think really just says a whole lot about their family is uh we arrived just at the same time that her um brother uh Christian and his wife were arriving and uh immediately Katrin and Chris, Christian rushed up to each other and greeted each other and hugged and started whispering in each other's ears little family uh, uh demonstrations of affection and and it was just so obviously obvious that they were just delighted to be reunited and uh you know later they had lots of uh, fun conversations with her mother and brother and 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 his wife um uh the, the uh Chris, crystal didn't speak fluent english but we could we could communicate pretty well and it was just clear it was just such a loving nurturing environment that was part of this this household uh, so
1: tell us about the time she met your father
2: right so the other way around when she came to san diego uh again we we would uh, get together after work sometimes and she got to meet several of my family members including my uh father uh Tom who was about 90 years old at the time and uh but still going strong and he's a character very wise and witty and uh uh sort of an earthy type at times um and also a retired architect and Katrin's, uh father who she just adored who had passed away a couple of years ago was also an arch- architect and she just uh, had a good relationship with my dad so the funny story I'd like to tell is that uh Katrin would often talk about how Americans would mispronounce her first name. And uh, my dad said, well, I have got a way to make sure that they get it right in the future. Just explain that your name does not rhyme with the word latrine. It's not Katrine. <laughs> so she, just, she laughed uh, really uh, heartily at that and would remember that uh, several uh, times later. And her laughter always just uh, was wonderful to hear. So, Nina, can you just give us some insights on your end about what made Katrin so special? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, we held a memorial service for Katrin at CDC, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in the conversation. But during that service, uh, one of her co-workers, who, of course, knew her and loved her, as we all did, but Yoni Haber, who really knew the family very well, she spoke for for everyone when she discussed Katrin's, you know, wisdom and her scientific mind and her contributions to the public health community. Um, We all know that Ketrin was so proud to work at CDC, but there were some traits that made Ketrin really special. And I think we'd all agree that her beautiful and contagious laugh that everyone noticed, that musical rolling laugh was one of her best traits, beautiful and so sincere. And there were the other little things, you know, that she was very straightforward and she was uh, able to process and remember every detail of conversations and events. She was very honest. Um, she didn't sugarcoat uh, anything that she felt needed to be said. Um, she, she was uh, very comfortable delivering, you know, some things that sometimes were um, were hard for people to hear. Um, But she was very direct, and we appreciated that. Uh, She had a very special and unique fashion sense, um, and it did range from her aunt's hand-me-downs to very spectacular European designs. um, And the way she would answer her telephone with her accent, which I'll try here, but I won't come close. Katrin Cole, hello? And her funny little clip-on glasses that we always teased her about.
2: Yeah, I I remember her uh, her fancy uh, European outfit. She was quite the stylist. Um, so, Nina, what would Jean, her husband, want everyone to know about? Mm-hmm. Katrin?
1: Yeah, I spoke to Gene. Um, He's, of course, very aware that we're doing this podcast. And he had some things that he really wanted people to know. Uh, First of all, that Katrin entered the world determined to make it a better place. And when she was nine years old, she didn't just play with dolls. She had a doll orphanage. And her goal was to go to Africa and work with Albert Schweitzer. And she had told Gene that when she got into CDC, it was like a dream come true. And Jean told us that Katrin used to love making lists, and so he made a list of the things that made Katrin happy. Mm. Her family and friends, her dogs, first Decca and then Kika, traveling, gardening, good but sad books, her Volkswagen, two latte macchiatos every morning, reading to Clara and Alexander, her daughter and her son, laughing, beating Jean at ping-pong, Um, she could be very, very competitive, as we all know. Uh, She even beat, apparently, Steve at table hockey one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) didn't have a chance. Uh, Great movies. Uh, Germany and Austria, uh, where she was a citizen because of her father. Uh, Beautiful things, swimming with the kids, skiing, being a mom and a stepmom, pre-20th century classical music, uh, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, Contra dancing. We even have a beautiful photograph of her f- contra dancing. The New York Times, coffee ice cream, Jeremy Irons, and 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzles. Apparently, um, Steve, you had a comment about f- visiting the Cole Spiegel Den.
2: There was always a jigsaw puzzle halfway being done there, and, and uh pieces all over the place so yeah. yep, yep that was one of her favorite things to do
1: <laughs> above all I think Gene would want everyone to know he went out of his way to, to ask me to, to tell the audience that Katrin above and above all was a loving and caring mom an amazing wife a wonderful and beloved friend to many but I think the hardest part about Katrin being gone is that sudden death is the hardest on the people who are left behind and uh, one of her coworkers summed it up by saying, Katrin touched so many people in her life, and we know her heart would be broken if she knew how much sadness and heartache she left behind when she departed
2: so early. Yeah. Nina, can you tell us about some of the visible remembrances of Katrin at CDC?
1: We miss Katrin every day. Um, there's beautiful photographs of her all around our off- offices and hallways. We have a memory book with photos of Katrin with her family and with the many public health colleagues whose lives she touched. The book contains all the tributes from her memorial service, which was held at CDC, and hundreds of letters we received from her friends, families, and colleagues around the world. And we planted a tree in her memory in CDC's memory garden with a plaque. So Steve, just tell us who's, who's going to miss Katrin.
2: Gosh. Gosh. Um well in in one real sense uh the the many thousands and perhaps millions of people whose uh lives she helped make better through her public health career but in the more immediate human sense um the hundreds of us and she had friends all over the place uh not just at work but in the community and internationally um and we were just so lucky to to have known her um I mean, of course, her family misses her the most, and I know it's still a hard situation for Jean and Alexander and Clara um, uh her mother and, and brother, uh, in addition, of course, and uh we 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 continue to send them our heartfelt uh, condolences as we uh remember the the times that we spent with Katrin. Um, uh, she would have she would have affected the lives of many other people. I think if she lived a full full adult lifetime. But I'd like to sort of end by um, recalling that Marty Setran, our division of global migration and quarantine director, um, quoted at the memorial service this extraordinary memorial service that was held at CDC, attended by people from around the country and the world. Uh, Marty quoted the poet. Um, Maya Angelou, the quote is, I've learned that people will forget what you said or what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that was so true of Katrin.
0: Thank you for having this conversation with us today, Dr. Morano and Dr. Waterman. You, the listeners, can read the January 2019 article, In Memoriam, Katrin Suzanne Cole, 1964 to 2018, online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.